Oh, hey. Welcome back to the non-reliever Bible Club. <sighs> All right. Now, to start today's episode, there are a lot of things that went down that I could bring up. Esau named his kid Elon. It's crazy. But today I'm going to talk about one thing that you might have missed entirely. Let's talk about the cave at Machpella. Now, if you remember, before his death, Abraham bought a cave and the surrounding field of land from Ephron the Hittite in order to be a burying place for Sarah, his wife. Now, the cave is eventually called the Cave of the Patriarchs because Sarah and Abraham were both put to rest there, as the story goes. The cave actually exists, and the land is a very interesting history. But first things first, the Cave of Machpelah. In Hebrew, and I hope I don't butcher this, it's Me'arat Machpelah. Me'arat meaning cave. Machpelah meaning twofold or doubled, leading to the idea that the cave consisted of two interconnected caves. Cool. Now the other title, Cave of the Patriarchs, is also what it is known as today. Now, not only were Sarah and Abraham buried there, but also their son Jacob and his wife, Rebecca. Spoiler alert, they don't live forever. But Jewish scholarship also claims that Adam and Eve were buried there as well. So, the twofold cave has a lot of couples who are also descendants of each other. And then Machpelah has another interpreted meaning, multiplied. See? Multiplied in the double cave of the generations of the twofold. Okay, you get it. The cave today is in the old city of Hebron in the West Bank, just south of Jerusalem. Under Byzantine rule, a basilica was built on the land of the Cave of the Patriarchs. But then, the basilica was converted into a mosque after Muslim conquest and reconquered by crusaders, and then reconverted into a mosque after it was re-reconquered by Saladin in 1188. Finally, it came under Israeli control during the Six-Day War of 1967 and split into both a synagogue and a mosque. Two religions living together. Crazy history. It is recognized as the second holiest site in Judaism, only next to the Temple Mount. Now, I know you know what the Temple Mount is, so I'm going to tell you anyway. The Temple Mount is basically a flat plaza surrounded by retaining wall. One of them is the Western Wall, which was an extension of a larger retaining wall, which was said to be connected to the second Jewish temple. Of course, the first temple being built by King Solomon, the son of King David. But that's skipping ahead. These temples were built on that location for two reasons. One, the mount and temple mount is supposedly supposed to refer to the mountain of Moria. Now, where did we hear about Mount Moria? Time's up. Abraham almost sacrificed Isaac there, but he was stopped by God. And it's because of the frequent appearances of God in this area that the temples were originally built in that area. 
before they were both destroyed. If you didn't know that either, the first temple was destroyed. Then there was a Jewish diaspora. They came back together again, built a second temple. That was also destroyed. This is a running theme with the Jewish people. They make something, it gets destroyed. They run away, they come back. The second temple was actually destroyed by Romans because of a Jewish revolt around 70 AD. Anyway, second reason why the Temple Mount is the holiest site in Judaism. In the first temple, God was said to literally live in or appear inside the inner sanctuary, which was called the Holy of Holies, Holies. where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. I know I'm way off topic. I just couldn't help it. Anyway, Cave of the Patriarchs. It's the first example of commercially purchased land in the Bible, the site of the first described burial, and getting to the more mystical, esoteric side of Jewish thought, Kabbalah. The Cave of the Patriarchs may have also been a secret entrance into the Garden of Eden. Garden of Eden. But that's enough for now. We have a lot of catching up to do with the sons of Isaac. There may be some guy named Elon too. I guess we'll see. Joineth me as we continue with the stories of Esau and Jacob. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold now, I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out to the field, and take me some venison, and make me savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. He's dying and he wants his favorite meal. Well, if that ain't relatable. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spoke unto Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau, thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. That's exactly what he said. (laughs) Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Ah, so if you remember from last week's reading, Genesis 25, 28, and Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. (laughs) I forgot that venison part. Yeah, he really just loves venison. But Rebecca loved Jacob. So there's some clear preferential treatment going on uh, between the two parents. So here are the ingredients. One, Rebecca loves Jacob. Two, Isaac is blind. Three, Esau is gone. Let's see what happens. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father 
such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. Ooh. Conspiracy! And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice, and go fetch me them. (laughs) And he went, and fetched, and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. Raiment is clothing, and she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands, and upon the smooth of his neck, and she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. Okay, so that's that's an Esau costume. He put the skins of goats on his hands and on his neck while she put it on him. And he's wearing his brother's clothes. And so with this, he will trick his father. And he came unto his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee. Sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my son Esau or not. Wow, so he really knows how his dad thinks then, huh? And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son, Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat. And he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now, and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his raiment, and blessed him, and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore, God, give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. Well, I guess it worked. And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, And Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting, and he also had made savory meat, 
and brought it unto his father, and said unto his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac his father said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly, and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison, and brought it me, and I have eaten of, all before thou camest, and have blessed him? Ye, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety, and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. And behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not received a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants, and with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above, and by thy sword shalt thou live, and shalt serve thy brother, and it shall come to pass, when thou shalt have the dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. Man, that's uh, that's affecting. Poor Esau doesn't seem to have done anything wrong. He seems poised to be the Cain of this relationship. But it feels like that's Jacob, while at the same time we have their mother Rebecca plotting against the two of them. And even stranger, we have the use of the word subtle. I don't think I've seen it anywhere else except, well, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Whether it was intended originally for the snake to represent Satan, it's clear that what Jacob has done is on par with the being that facilitated the fall of man from the Garden of Eden. That's not a very flattering association, but it sounds like according to Isaac's prediction, or it sounds more like a blessing, like he's bestowing this fate upon him. In verse 40, thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. 2741, and Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing. Blessing? because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. And these words of Esau, her elder son, were told 
to Rebekah. And she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said unto him, Behold, thy brother Esau, as touching thee, doth comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice, and arise, flee thou to Laban, my brother to Haran, and tarry with him a few days, until thy brother's fury turn away, (laughs) until thy brother's anger turn away from thee, and he forget that which thou hast done to him. Thou hast done to him? Rebekah, you made him do it. Then I will send and fetch thee from thence. Why should I be deprived also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? Chapter 28 And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. So this is a real Abraham remix. Jacob has to leave the house of his father, not because he was told to by God, but because he's tricked his brother and he's probably going to kill him. So it seems true because of how much they hated Elon last week that Rebecca does not want Jacob to marry any of the daughters of Heth like her other son Esau has. But it would seem that primarily she's just trying to get him out of the country. But this setup sounds to me exactly like Abraham, only he's being, only this time, Isaac's telling his son directly, still out of fear that he may marry someone of the Canaanites, but he tells him directly where to go, who to go to, and to get him a wife. Verse 3, And God Almighty bless thee, and make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people, and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went to Padan Aram unto Laban, son of Bethuel the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. This is fascinating. So, we saw God give the blessing directly to Abraham. And now the son of Abraham isn't asking God. He already has the blessing. He is conferring it onto his son. I like that. It's a kind of hands-off managerial style. It's like, listen, I don't need to confer the blessing onto each generation. I gave it to you. You guys got it from here. It's kind of stepping back. God is and watching it all happen. When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Badan Aram to take him a wife from thence, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan, and that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and was gone to Badan Aram. And Esau, seeing 
that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father. Then went Esau unto Ishmael. Ishmael, eh? Hmm. And took unto the wives which he had had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, to be his wife. See, this is interesting. The last guy I remember who had a bunch of wives was Lamech. Remember, remember Lamech? He said, hearken unto me, ye wives of Lamech. He was very boastful. He took a bunch of wives. Like, this is the stuff that God doesn't like. And God wants them to inherit the land of Canaan, but he doesn't want them with the Canaanites. So now Esau is breaking some serious rules. While Jacob, even though he's a jerk, is going away to something better. Still Esau, verse 8, And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, then went Esau unto Ishmael. He's specifically disobeying his father. This isn't an accident. As if to make that point clearer, he's hopping the fence over to the other side of the family. Even though it's clear Esau has been wronged twice by Jacob, this path that he's going down is clearly that of his own choosing. Verse 10, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night, because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder. Jacob's ladder. Okay. All right, here, I'll I'll just keep going. And behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, standing at the top of a ladder, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south, and in thee, And in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Not a lot of variation in the message. Consistency. Consistency is key. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep. And he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid, and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning, and took the stone that he had put for his pillows, and set it up for a pillar, 
and poured oil on the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city was called Luz at first, at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat, and raiment to put on, so that I come again to the to my father's house, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, and this stone which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house, and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Excellent scene. So, Jacob's ladder. Aliens? Are we saying aliens? A ladder that comes down to the sky and things are going up and down. It sounds like a tractor beam. Aliens. I'm not saying aliens. I'm just saying let's keep our minds open. Jacob goes out into the wilderness. He's tired. You know, this could be a 40 days like Christ in the wilderness. Then he starts to hallucinate. Something is going on out there, whether it's an LSD trip or a genuine encounter with God. Jacob in this moment has been humbled. I didn't expect God to appear to him in this way, though, after receiving the blessing from his dad. Maybe I was just jumping on it too early. But either way, God has decided that he needs a direct talking to from the man himself. Or woman. Or, huh? And now, Jacob has the fear of God in him. Sort of like when your parents believe in something. And you're like, yeah, that's not important to me. And then you start to grow up and get older. And like, I'm turning into my parents. Jacob is turning into his parents. He's discovering God, but he's discovering God in his own way. With his vow. If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. I kind of like that. I mean, it's a little self-serving in terms of if everything goes all right in my life, then yeah, you're my God. But it feels like taking responsibility. He's making a choice to accept God in his life. I mean, I'm not sure who has the raw end of the deal, Esau or Jacob. Jacob, who's running through the wilderness, getting the hell out of Dodge because his mother told him to trick his brother. I mean, he had already been doing it at the beginning, so he's kind of a little shit, but he's still pro- he's not having a good time. That's for certain. Abraham traveled great distances with his wife and his caravan of loyal servants that would die for him. And he dug a bunch of wells. Jacob is just running around, having dreams of ladders. Oh, okay, so why I freaked out about that. So um, Jacob's Ladder is also a fantastic 1990s psychological horror film starring uh, Tim Robbins and the people who made Silent Hill. Hugely influenced by this. You can see it in the... uh, head shake stuff that pops up in Silent Hill 3, directly taken from that. There's a great scene 
in a hospital where Tim Robbins wakes up. Uh, okay, this is nothing. <laughs> this has nothing to do with God. What am I doing? This podcast is going off the rail. The first ten were great. Episode eleven is. This is going down the tubes. Chapter twenty nine. Then, Jacob went on. Okay, seriously though, watch Jacob's ladder. You will not be disappointed. Chapter twenty nine. Then, Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked, and behold, a well in the field. And lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks, and a great stone was upon the well's mouth. Ooh, is Jacob going to pull an Isaac, pulling a Abraham, pulling a classic, uncovering a well move? And I'm slowly turning into you, Dad. And thither were all the flocks gathered, and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the sheep, and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in his place. And Jacob said unto them, My brethren, whence be ye? And they said, Of Haran are we. And he said unto them, Know ye Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said unto them, Is he well? (laughs) Well. And they said, He is well. And behold, Rachel, his daughter, cometh with the sheep. And he said, Lo, it is yet high day. Neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together. Water ye the sheep, and go and feed them. And they said, We cannot until all the flocks be gathered together, until they roll the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. And while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. And it came to pass, when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth, yeah, like father, like son, and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. How cool was it, by the way, that Rebecca was found by Abraham's servant getting water? History repeats itself. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. Whoa, whoa. (laughs) And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother and that he was Rebecca's son. And she ran and told her father. Yeah, that makes sense. And it came to pass, when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him, and embraced him, and kissed him, and brought him to his house. All right. And he told Laban all these things. And Laban said, Surely thou art my bone and my flesh. And he abode with him the space of a month. And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldest thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, What shall thy wages be? And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. 
Wow. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. All right, page turning time. Oh, yeah. Turning that page. Yes. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. (laughs) You don't need to tell him what you're going to do. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him. And he went in unto her. Huh? And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah, his maid for an handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah, did the old switcheroo. And he said to Laban, What is this thou hast done unto me? Did I not serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? And Laban said, It must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Damn. Fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for the service, which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. And he gave him Rachel, his daughter, to wife also, 14 years down the drain. Wow. And Laban gave to Rachel, his daughter, Bilhah, his handmaid, to be her maid. And he went in also unto Rachel. And he loved also Rachel more than Leah and served with him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. Okay, this is really getting Abrahamic. Leah is Hagar. Rachel is Sarah. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Oh, that's so sad. And she conceived again, and bare a son, and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again, and bare a son, and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing. Okay. I think we're going to end it for today. What an interesting situation. It never ceases to surprise me how God's people will be mingling with God's people and then really shitty stuff happens. Laban is his family, ostensibly. Well, literally. But he lies and 
tricks Jacob into what? Farm work? Abraham had it right. Abraham was constantly on the move. He was constantly doing stuff. He didn't get it right all the time. But, like, what does Jacob have right now? Nothing. Just 14 years wasted working for his wife's dad. Guy's working on Maggie's farm. And he doesn't want to work on Maggie's farm no more. But still, when the chips were down in the wilderness, he decided to turn to God. I think there's hope for Jacob, but I'm very interested to see how his story resolves and how he's going to continue and realize the covenant that God made with his grandfather Abraham all those years and all those episodes ago. Until then, keep calm, my creeping things. Joineth me next time on the Nonbeliever Bible Club. (laughs) 